<laughs> Talking about assholes. There you go. <clears throat> It'll be all the different techniques of bleaching and waxing. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome. I'm Ned Nederlander. I'm Dusty Bottoms. And I'm Lucky Day. And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the affable amigo. So, Brett, what's new with you? Anything uh, exciting happening with you? <laughs> uh, I just put up another video, which was awesome. It came out really, really well. It was a restoration of an old speakeasy table um, that has a, a secret swiveling front-facing door that opens up to a booze cabinet. So that was a fun little video to put together, and, and I learned a lot in the upcycle. So Awesome. Nice. Yeah, it's looking amazing, man. Yeah, it, it looked really, really nice. I, I like the, uh, the little touch of um, the wood stain that you used having uh, vampire blood on it, was it? <laughs> Devil's blood. Devil's blood, that's it, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Awesome. I mean, everything's got to be black that I make because it's, <laughs> it has to match my soul. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sexy. Yeah. No, it did, it did come out really, really good. I, I was going to ask, though, um, the headboard that you used... Did you know before you cut it up that it was laminate, or were you expecting it to be solid wood? No, uh, so I got the both pieces from the same guy. He's an antique dealer in the area, and he was asking if I could restore the piece. You know, given yeah. the video, I set it up to be this mobster delivering it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Which only one person really called out in the comments and goes, it's funny that you look the exact same as the guy that dropped it off. I'm like, hey, man, I was wearing, <laughs> I was wearing a different coat and a hat and yeah. I brought clothes. Um, <laughs> did you do but, a different voice <laughs> well the, you know hey this is shorty you know I did the whole read because um, you know me and my dumb voices uh, when I got them from the antique dealer he had said you know I'd like to put a new top on this but I'll, I'll leave it to you to figure that out and I go great do you have anything else and I went into the barn and looked for any other materials that he might have and we found a headboard now the headboard being as old as it was, it was so worn in and, and you know, the edges were worn yeah. down and, and you could not tell. I, I shined a flashlight on it. I tried to feel it, yeah. everything, and you could not tell that there was veneer on it. So when I cut it down, the expectation was to be able to use a walnut headboard that I would, yeah. you know, yeah. take the stains and finishes off of only to find out that sneaky laminate existed sneaky little laminates yeah. yeah and i'm i'm almost positive it was poplar judging by the the color of it that came out but yeah. the wood was still good and you know again staining everything black means that you hide different grain yeah, colors exactly. and structures and stuff so it was an easy fix yeah no and to be fair it did come out looking really good so. thank you i appreciate mm -hmm. that i'm now completely falling in love with a, a little bit of a brand styling being black and brass I yeah. honestly for the life of me up to this point you know Jim uses a lot of brass his picks are brass he, he uses a lot of brass hardware and everything and I always went oh I don't like how brass looks with oak and oh. all these lighter woods and lighter stains and the first time when I made the sidecar you know all the yeah. the rings and the clasps are all brass and then it's black leather <laughs> it's like uh oh that's yeah. everything that I'm doing now this yeah. probably won't be relevant to you, Brett, but there's a there's a, um, a British sitcom called The Fast Show. Um, 
<coughs> in the 90s. And it was really terrible. And basically, every episode, you were just waiting for the guy to say like the punchline. And there was one where there was a, like a landscape painter, and he'd sit on the, out, in, out in the countryside painting landscapes. And he'd be doing these beautiful oil paintings, and then every, like halfway through, he'd just flip and start painting everything black. And just, and just basically ruining his paintings <laughs> yeah. all the time. And just like... And then uh, I'll just go up here, and it's like very Bob Ross, and it's like just un- underneath this this beautiful cloud, I've just painted black, and I'll make it black, and he's just covering the whole thing in black, and that's, that's, that's okay. basically you. Right. You just you just set up my idea board for another video, I guess. I'll have to pull on an English audience by making a reference that no Americans understand. Brilliant, perfect. But, uh, yeah, but to be fair, I've got a, um, a cleaver that I should be finishing off. Uh, it's not going to be till early New Year now, but um, the cleaver itself is made out of um, uh, old leaf spring, and in the heat treatment, obviously quenched it in oil, so it's come out and it's got that really, really black um, nice. uh, like scale to it. And uh, I'm putting a walnut scales on that and brass pins, so it's going to be like black metal with uh, obviously shiny edge, um, walnut like stained dark walnut handles and really bright shiny. And brass pins, and I think that's going to look fucking beautiful. Awesome. That is that is a project after my own heart. <laughs> if I could work in exclusively walnut, that would be it. Oh yeah. So when when you bring the when you bring the edge up on that blade, Steve, will that go and go like shiny and silver? Yeah. So you'll have this sort of really nice kind of scale black. Yeah. So most you, of the cleaver, then it's really nice shiny edge. Yeah. So awesome. and what I'll try and do is try and get it so it's a nice tradi- uh, transition. So you get um, so rather than it just being like some guys where they do like a really flat obvious single yeah, yeah, line yeah. bevel i'll try and gradient it in so you get like um you'll get certain bits where the high spots are oh, nice, nice and shiny and silver and the, the low spots are still filled with black yeah sweet black so, black <laughs> <laughs> um so oh, what have you been up to um other than going to watch the bb8 show uh not a lot actually i've not been doing much making um i had my mates uh daughters round uh and i was babysitting them so i've just been making like spaghetti pictures and um, yeah you know, changing nappies and shit. Nice. Sounds like yeah. fun. Yeah, play playing kind of uh, my two dads for the weekend. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, what, what about you, Steve? Have you been making anything? I, I have been making stuff. I've been trying to make a video as well, um, which won't be out before the show is out, but hopefully won't be too much uh, after it. Um, okay. Just because all the footage is now there, I just haven't even looked at editing, editing any of it. Um, so I got that coming out, and that was uh, basically every year I get a ridiculously oversized uh, Christmas tree, yeah. and um, and the stands that uh, you get like in shops and that just aren't big enough to hold it. Yes, and um, a friend of mine made like a a very very badly bodged together um, just like old rusty bits of metal stand that we were using for years. Yeah, and uh, I finally decided that. Yeah, I'm gonna upgrade it. I'm gonna make it look nice, and oh, cool. I'm gonna record the whole thing because it'll be a quite a nice Christmas video and all that. And uh, and yeah, just as I was like putting the final touches together and like trying to get the uh, the like the sexy finished shot, I literally put the tree on top of it, and the legs just went. Oh, nice! And all splayed out because instead of doing what I thought I should have done, which is using box section um, for the joins, I'd use yeah. just a bit of five mil mild steel. And it just okay. there was no way it was strong enough and just bent all out. Just too soft. Yeah, so I had to redo that um, and get that out. Uh, I've also been sounds a lot like my cider press from last week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> just totally fucking winging it and yeah, it didn't work. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
we'll get there in the end. Yeah, no, no, knowing what you should do, but just trying yeah. to work around it and going yeah. la 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 la. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and aside from that, I've also got uh, a couple of videos done for the axe making like series mini series thing that I'm going to be doing. Yeah, that got um, done really well, dude. Yeah, well, just love an axe video. <clears throat> yeah, I just need to get round to uh, editing it and well, filming the last two bits and then editing it all. But yeah, that's going to come out really nice, I think. But, oh, I um, did. Do, I did do something actually. Uh, it's not really making, but I um I just started restoring a, an old record hand plane. Got, oh, like, nice. a number flag. I got it from Yandel's actually, ah. um, and like the the frog's a bit a uh, bit gone and the blades all chipped and stuff. So I'm just kind of yeah. taking that apart, restoring it. I think the handle needs replacing, so kind of bringing that back to life. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, it's, I've never used a hand plane before. I never mind restored one, so it's going to be an interesting little project. <laughs> oh, awesome! <laughs> yeah. And I actually need it for the next my next build, so yeah. it's kind of yeah. Well, it's like um, at the flea market I went to the other day. I picked up a couple of spoke shaves, and Ooh, nice. I need to restore at least one of them. To be able to use to make the handle for the handle making section of the um, the axe series, so I should hopefully be doing that one soon as well. Absolutely, yeah, so. one of my favorite tools, spoke shave. Really? Yeah. I don't think it's Jim's got one. two or three, and I got to get really, really acquainted with one when I was doing the shadow axe video. Yeah. Um, and I ended up just bypassing using files completely because I just had so much more control. Yeah. Oh, um, nice. Given I, you know, it was a curved handle, and now that we hosted the axe making class, and yeah, uh, Tracy, who who led the class, explained to everybody that curves are sexy, but absolutely unnecessary, and actually probably do a disservice to your handle in the end. So you're like, yeah, oh no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because because uh, the axe, uh, some of the axe handles that we use uh, from uh, Grandsfors Brook, and. Uh, and they are really like slender, straight handles, and they're fantastic to use. But they just look a bit meh. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I completely get where he's coming from with that. Mm-hmm. But um, and the only other thing is I restored a another axe, like a splitting mall for my dad. <clears throat> it was one that was blunt as a butter knife and <laughs> had no handle left on it it like snapped in two places and was held together with gaffer tape and stuff like that so i just chopped that up and and rehandled it and um and got some life back into that brett, brett that's where you're supposed to jump in and go blunt as a butter knife in your best kind of west country <laughs> accent <laughs> what's exactly blunt as a butter knife <laughs> there we go so that's a new segment for the show, uh, yeah. Brett's, Brett's impressions. Oh, it's just going to be you guys, the more we learn about it, it's just going to be you guys going, hey, what about this one? <laughs> the, the time I come on and just do a full Gandalf episode. You know? Oh my god. Oh, I'm so up for that. <laughs> Steve, but, uh... you haven't aged a day. <laughs> Your wrists are looking chubby though. <laughs> uh, I love the fact that nobody else is going to get that. But... Uh... So yeah, we're, we're, we're a trio of little restorers, aren't we? Yeah, which kind of brings us nicely onto the uh, nice little segue so, onto segue. the topic. Um, yeah, so we're just going to talk about uh, like upcycling, restoring, um, and recycling. Um, mostly because Brett's video was basically doing exactly that um, and bringing a uh, an old drinks cabinet back to life. And uh, yeah, that's. So that's the subject. subject. Nice. Do you want to kick us off, Brett, then? No, he doesn't. 
<laughs> that silence of no, no, I don't. Um, what about you, Al? Have you, um, uh, other than this um, hand plane, have you done much in the way of restoring? Um, not, not so much, but um, basically, my my kind of take on things and my background would be a bit more about like just fixing things. Yeah, and I guess it's kind of a similar vibe. So whether it's just like electronic things or mechanical things, where I can take it apart and, and just you know get to the guts of it, see what's wrong. And yeah. then bring it back to life that way. So it's less of a kind of um, an aesthetic thing. It's just more about getting things working again. Yeah, which I think is maybe a slightly different way of <clears throat> of, of restoring something. So, like uh, for instance, the, the the wood chipper that I used for the cider. Um, you know, it was just about getting something that was basically being given away. Yeah. Um, and then just using my kind of intuitive mind and and, and problem solving brain to kind of bring bring it back to life, basically. Yeah. And I think that's 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 why I kind of I'm looking forward to this plane job. Because here I want to actually kind of, you know, really bring the metal back to a beautiful edge, you know, replace the kind of old scratty wooden chipped handles and stuff and actually make yeah. a really nice tool that I can use. Because this thing will be sort of 70 years old. You know, if I can then get another, you know, make it last for another 70 years, that'll Am be I a beautiful back? thing. You are back. I'm sorry about that, fellas. Has <laughs> I got Brett back? Yes. He's rejoined. Oh, sweet. Uh, cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Brett, uh, I was just saying about... Um, like his take on on restoration and it being kind of just getting something back to a, a working state rather than getting something back to necessarily looking pretty. You could say that you restored your connection. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I always have the conundrum, and I, I wonder what you guys think about this. Um, even when I did the uh, the Franken table. Um, yes. I initially started out, I talked to Jim and said, you know, how about I make my own workbench table uh, for the shop so I'm not constantly sharing, you know, with the other people in the shop, Taylor, Jim, yeah, um, anybody else that shows up. And my initial idea was to build one, you know, I, yeah. I was going to go buy pine or fur or something, you know, build a table for myself, have it be made nice and quality. Uh, and then it just became a question of price and time and did I want to make all the cuts and would I be able to put all the functionality into it that I wanted to? And then my brain immediately dove into, well, what exists that is basically a workbench now that I could possibly upcycle or recycle. Yeah. And there was a guy on Craigslist selling an old doctor's exam table for a hundred dollars and it was perfect and had a power outlet already wired into the back of it, which I, you know, stripped out and put a new one in there. But, all the it has and everything was there. Well, it has you know a flip down for where your legs go, and it goes up to ninety degrees for where your back is, and it's got all the drawers and everything. So, it, it, you sure this is a workbench you're making, Brett? <laughs> well, there's a video of it. You can go and see it. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, the I mean, initial I, the initial jokes were all just like, uh, uh, you know, I in the video I pull out the stirrups that came with it because nice. the guy that yeah. I bought it from was a total creep and was like, you know, you can put people on here and here's the stirrups. <laughs> Ugh. Um, awesome. But it ended up working out really well because I I actually ended up being able to spend the time doing some finishing and and making it more customized for what I wanted rather than making it completely from scratch. Spending probably the better part of another, you know, ten or fifteen hours building the damn thing, yeah, and come to probably what is an even better result than I would have come up with for myself. So is it like cast iron then? Is it all like really super solid base? Uh, it's sixteen gauge steel on 
the for the cabinet area that's underneath. Right. Um, but everything was framed out for the top of it. Everything was framed boxes that I, I ended up sectioning plywood out on top of. And then it's on really nice big steel legs and the structure of it can hold, you know, a thousand pounds or whatever it is. So it's a hundred times better. You know, it was a, it was a yeah. way better solution than me trying to do it myself. But in my mind, the question that I, that I was going to ask you at the beginning of this was, how often do you find yourself saying, do I build it? Do I make it? Do I buy it new versus what if I find one and restore it? Yeah. I, I like to think that by buying something old and either taking it apart or refinishing, you learn the process of how it was made the first time versus, you know, trying to make something completely from scratch nine times out of ten. If you've never done it before, you're going to ruin it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And to be fair, I mean, it's like it's even down to like cars and things like that. Like I, I'm a Land Rover owner and driver, so, you know, I'm used to the fact that I have to I've, t- I've got this old knackered car that's that's always going to be breaking down and i've always got to fix it and because of that when something doesn't work on it i know how to fix it and it's the same with with tools and and things in the workshop like um i've got tools that i've um that i've restored and and taken apart and put back together and things like that and and it means that now i know a what they're capable of and what not to do with it because i know what the weak points are and and like you say i I'm just much more aware of what's um, what's going on with it, and uh, and yeah, I think it's much better to do that than to like you say to to buy new and and not really understand what it is you're uh, you're working with. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm kind of of a similar vein to you, uh, Brett. But like for me, it'll just be what what is practical and what's handy for me. So like my workbench was right. What wood is left over from building the shed? Um, and what can I steal and use as a, a solid workbench that I can knock up in a day because I'm just complete, completely lazy and impatient. So it's like, you know, the same kind of practicality. Oh, old kitchen counter, it's been sat out in the rain for a bit, so it's a little bit warped, but, you know, planed it down and, and, and just literally just, just screwed it to some legs. And for my needs, it's perfectly, you know, it's, 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 it's enough for kind of what I'm doing. Somewhere down the line, I'd really like to make a proper workbench, but, you know, for now, it's, it's, it, it, it does the job, and I think that's, that's kind of the level that I, I go to most often um is kind of rough and ready and dirty and, and using what i can find around because yeah sort of in in the months that i've been i've been doing this I, i've not spent any money on materials i think the only the only actual nice materials i bought was the the purple heart for those bottle things for the mm-hmm. charity shop uh, yeah beautiful absolutely beautiful and, and i got a kind of a little taster of this world of real woodworking you know got a real kind of boner for it but it ultimately that's kind of not my approach I, i'm just yeah. more of a what what is literally within arm's reach of me yeah, and I think that's one of the things is like, especially if you're getting people getting into the craft or into any craft, is the availability of, of like you say, like free and recycled material. Is yeah. it, if you go out hunting for it, it's great. I mean, I, when I first started in the blacksmithing, I, I didn't buy anything, and I still have buckets and buckets and buckets mm-hmm. of like horseshoes and random bits of angle iron and shit like that that people just give to me because they're like, oh, Steve, do you want this? Like the other day, I got. Um, I don't know how much you guys know about uh, actual raw iron as in the the material, but it's mm-hmm. it's no longer produced. It's it's an amazing material to work with, um, and it's because it's no longer produced. It's it's quite rare. Um, there are a couple of places that that do produce it, but they do like one run a year, and it's mostly sold off to restoration places. Um, 
so if you find a decent supply of, of raw iron it's it's quite expensive and uh, and I've got a guy that in the village that's given me like uh, it's gonna be a six foot section of fencing that's all raw iron so I've got oh, um, nice. like four really good thick uh, rounds plus I think four um, sections of bar as well um, and apparently there's a load more coming as well oh, yeah. and, uh, and I got that for free just because I put myself out there and kind of said hey, if anybody has anything that's worth saving I'll, you know, I'll have it and uh, I think that's one of the things is like there's you don't just have to go on Craigslist or eBay or whatever and and buy something can restore it. You just, there's the opportunity to, to upcycle and recycle wherever you are, as long as you don't mind putting yourself out there and, and kind of asking around a bit. You obviously don't live in Yorkshire, Steve, the single ta- <laughs> the tightest place on planet Earth. <laughs> well, the city, New York City, is not much better. When I lived there, I was constantly trying to do hobby projects, you know, because I was, I was honestly trying to keep up with making as often as I could. Yeah. Um, as a hobby, and one, it's almost impossible to get lumber, you know, material of any kind, because to get it delivered to an apartment building or or even one of the houses that one of my friends lived in in the middle of these, you know, side by side neighborhoods, the guys can't even drive down the streets. You know, they'll charge you right. for taking it off the truck, let alone delivering it to you. You know, so yeah. prices go up astronomically. Versus when I lived in Kansas growing up. There would be 400 people knocking barns down in a weekend, yeah. and they would go, do you want the wood? <laughs> so it's 200-year-old, beautiful, aged lumber, yeah. and they would give it to you and probably $30 and a cake for taking it away. <laughs> nice. And and it's crazy now, but you know, in, in a similar you know, dynamic of what you guys are talking about, I feel like there is a certain degree of teaching yourself how to think or learning how to think when you're doing upcycling or recycling or or anything that's you know not ready made or store bought in the final condition, you you're teaching yourself how that person made it or how it was made in that fashion, and now you're learning how to fix it. Which, like Steve was saying with his car, you'll now know the process not only in how the you know what the piece is that you're working on, but you know the intricacies of it. So that if you ever did have to work on anything similar, you should have a basis of comparison. You know, when I was doing the axe handle, it was, you know, okay, well, it's an old piece of hickory. I don't really know what I'm doing. And there's this old antique head. But while I was refinishing the head of it, I started to realize, you know, why the construction of this axe head was different than this. And what's the difference between drop forged and hand forged versus cast and all these kind of things you know yeah Yeah. and learning that process rather than me going to a hardware store picking up an axe head and throwing it on a handle i would have never at any point learned the difference i I would have thought all axe heads were made of steel and probably just gone with it yeah Yeah. and i think i think it ties back to kind of a a time a time scale as well because you talk about a, a like a land rover defender steve you know, made the same way for decades. Yeah. You know, the same parts. You know, no matter what kind of the model the year was, um, interchangeable. You know, you could take it apart with a with a wrench. Um, if I tried to look under the bonnet of my car now, I wouldn't have a fucking clue where, where to start. You know, yeah. I had a nineteen ninety Suzuki Vitara, nice. and there was like three and there was like three things under the bonnet. You know, it was, <laughs> it was really easy to fix. Now I can't even get into my car. I wouldn't I wouldn't know where to start if something went wrong with it. Um, 
and, and it goes back to all the tools and stuff. So I really enjoy like looking at old tools and seeing how they work. Yeah. Whereas something now, you know, all fused polymers and 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 kind of made in a completely different way to to traditional. Like you're talking about axe heads, Brett, and and you know the techniques that you can learn and the different ways of doing it. That's not going to be the way it's going to be done anymore. Yeah. So that's why I'm really enjoying this hand playing thing because I'm 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 looking at the mechanisms and I'm finding out like how this thing is 100 years old. You know, could potentially even be older, and is made the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that kind of like it. It's a kind of cyclical thing, cyclical thing anyway. Because as as makers, most of us like to know that they like to 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 get into the heart of something and figure out how it does what it does and and why and 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 all of that and and understand the the mechanisms inside of it and and know that if something does break, perhaps we could just go in and, and fix it rather than yeah. something's broken and oh. You know, I've I've got to order a spare part to replace it because there's no way that I could make that myself, sort of thing. And um, I think, <coughs> excuse me, um, I think that's one of the great things about um, being part of this community is the fact that there's so many people that do feel like that, and um, and so many people that are willing to share that knowledge. Like I know that if I was to say um, uh, axe heads, for example, because we're talking about them, um, if I was to go into any number of the groups or forums or whatever and say to someone I've got this I'm not quite sure how to um, restore this part of it has anybody got any advice and and you'd get loads of really good feedback whereas all of it (laughs) contradictory well yeah Yeah. (laughs) but but whereas if if you for example if you went into um, Toolstation or Screwfix and bought a a brand new drill took it home and then within six months there was something wrong with it you wouldn't even think about fixing it yourself. You you just take it back on warranty. And if you did, then go onto a website or forum and say, you know, does anybody know how I can fix this bit? Then your your answers are either going to be the part that you need is more expensive than the drill itself. You might as well just buy a new one, yeah. or oh, it's completely broke. Just buy a new one, sort of thing. Yeah. And there's no. Well, we don't, we, the model the models moved on three iterations since that yeah. one, so we don't even have the parts anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It, I don't know if it's if um, if it's safe for you, Brett, but like in the UK, we've got really like old school um, hardware stores, where basically you could go in with with something and, and ask like the guy behind the counter with the with the brown jacket on, you know, real kind of like uh, is it the two Ronnies? Yeah. Or is it, yeah, yeah. Sketch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get for, that for, for reference. Candles. I got yeah. that reference. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just um, kidding. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the kind of place where you can go in and buy like one three eight screw. Right. You know, yeah. and 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 they're they're not making any profit, but they're just they're just there running this hardware store because that's what they do, and that kind of place I'd love. Um, but to your point, Steve, you couldn't go into one of the big box stores and have this conversation, right? Because oh, no. they're just churning this shit out. I I laugh constantly, and I know I know this is kind of a dick move, but it's also <laughs> part of my personality to so deal with it. Um, <laughs> but there's an episode of Parks and Rec with Ron Swanson where he goes into a big box store, and yes. the guy goes, "Hey, can I help you today?" And he goes, "I know more <laughs> than you," and just keeps walking. Yeah. yeah, nice. Jimmy and I have I to go to the Home Depot that's the closest to the shop is, you know, a 10 or 15 minute drive. And yeah. I have now, it's not like I, I actually do more or I actually do know more than these people. It's definitely not the case because there, there are some really learned guys there. But yeah. I don't know what my luck is to constantly run into the person that either A, just started there or B, has <laughs> absolutely no idea why they work there other than it was an available job. Yeah. yeah. So... I was in there just this morning and I knew exactly where I needed to go because this is the yeah. shop. This is basically the big box store that 
we go to every other day to pick up plywood and stuff. And I was walking down one of the aisles and one of the gentlemen that I've talked to a hundred times, but he doesn't remember me and he doesn't know very much. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, hey, can I help you today? And for a split second, my my reaction was going to be, I know more than you and just <laughs> do walk it. by. Just do it. But I know that's going to ruin somebody's Monday to just be like, yeah. wow, yeah. that guy's a real dick. But <laughs> I think it's not just about like, oh, I know more than you. But like for me in those situations, it's I know specifically what I'm in here for. That, that's yeah. what it is. Like, yeah, I, it's it, like it, I, 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 I came here for like, I didn't just come here to like peruse the aisles. Absolutely. Like, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of something and I need a really specific thing. So like it's, I, it's, I, know, I, it's, I know what I want. Do you have it? Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. yeah, I don't want that to come across like there's some ego thing because I'm still, <laughs> I'm still very into the idea that I'm learning constantly. Yeah. And you know, talking to a plumbing guy that knows fifty years worth of plumbing knowledge and knows every single pipe that's running through my building is is fantastic wealth of knowledge, and I don't know anything about it. But when I'm going in to buy three sheets of plywood and somebody goes, well, let me explain to you what kinds of plywood we have. I'm like, <laughs> don't do that to me, please. Please yeah. don't do that to me. I need three quarter inch. Needs yeah. to be pine. I don't. It's just, yeah. <laughs> leave, me <alone. laughs> leave me alone. Plus, it's Monday at nine o'clock, and I'm you know I haven't had enough coffee to talk to you right now. Yeah, <laughs> I remember being in. Uh, I think it was a B and Q, and um, and I was in there, and I can't what I was picking up. I was picking up something, and I was I literally just driven from the workshop straight to B and Q to pick up a few bits, and was heading straight back there. So I was still in like absolutely caked in grime and dust and soot and all sorts, and. Um, and so I was wandering around and uh, just kind of like overheard uh, one of the employees trying to give some advice to a customer. And I can't remember for the life of me what it was he was actually talking about. But he was just giving like really, really bad advice. And you could tell the guy, like the poor guy, didn't know what to say, but he was like yeah, yeah. just trying his best. Just winging it, yeah. Yeah. And I, there was something he said that was just, I, I had to jump in and was like, I'm sorry, but please don't do that. That's a really, really bad idea. This is what you need to do. This is, and the thing is, is then this um, bloke started asking me a load of questions, like, "Oh, so, what if I'm doing this? Then do I need to get that?" And I was like, "I'm not paid to work here." Um, and then Steve whips his shirt off, and he's got a B&Q jumper on. Uh, Jim, Jim always says, uh, and this is just advice for I guess anybody that would be listening, um, all five people. Uh, <laughs> If you're ever in a big box store and you don't trust yourself talking to an employee or you get a little shy around, you know, proving yeah. to somebody you don't know what you're asking, Jim, Jim always goes, look for the guy that looks like me, that's covered in dirt and grime and is clearly making a run in the middle of his work day to come and do stuff. Talk to yeah. that guy. He'll be really yeah. nice and understand it. And if yeah. you don't like the guy wearing the vest, then don't worry about it. Go find the dirty guy in the corner, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and chat it out with that guy. Plus, he probably knows more. Yeah. Yeah. Probably knows more and is probably more willing to give advice as well. Yeah. I mean, we're working on, you know, I, I started wire brushing the power hammer a few weeks ago and Jim's Jim's getting back into the, he's getting motivated to, to finish the power hammer up and everything. And, you know, yeah. within the last couple of days, I've gotten completely covered in, you know, muck again, just trying to keep it clean and putting all the new parts on. And it's a fantastic sorry i just kind of wrapped it right back around to what we were talking about but i'm getting to learn every single little tiny part of a 200 year old machine that i otherwise would have absolutely never set foot in front of yeah and not only now do i have one available to me you know out of the grace of jimmy but i've wire brushed 
every nut and bolt and piece on that thing so i know how it goes together yeah if something breaks on it i could probably weld it back together and know that i'm not screwing it up it's it's a fantastic learning experience and and one thing i was going to ask you guys as well on the same topic is how do you feel about the time spent learning or restoring versus the you know go out and buy a brand new workbench for you know 500 pounds or whatever you guys would spend on a really nice bench versus maybe spending two weeks of your life working on making restoring building your own knowing that that actually probably cost you more time and money and energy to do than just going and buying one i think the um sorry steve i was just gonna say i think i think uh um using like the power hammer as an example the skills that you're going to learn in that two weeks are just transferable to other things so you might spend you might spend the two weeks specifically building a workbench but then that will help you learn the next thing and the next chair you build or the next cabinet you build or something. So yeah. it's not that like it's all been poured into that one project. I think you'll the 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 value in that kind of that time spent is 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 immeasurable compared to kind of the skills you learn. Yeah, right. exactly. I mean, like uh, if you look at um, my workbench, the first workbench I made was out of uh, box section, angle iron, and old scaffold planks. And don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, like I've, I still use that workbench every time I'm in, I'm in the shop, and it's it's a great sturdy thing. But I like it. It's yeah. It's the thing is, it's all fucking janky, and <laughs> and yeah, it, it's it's not the best bit of kit in the world. And then the next thing I made was my welding table, and again, that was better, but it's not perfect. Um, and the next big thing like that I'm going to be making is uh, a leather working desk for jazz. And the skills that I've learned in doing those other two workbenches mean that when it comes to building that it is going to be a really nice thing that i can be proud of that you know isn't just sat in my workshop looking a bit tatty it's going to be something that is going to be in the middle of our house and i can kind of say to people oh yeah i made that and be proud of it and so like you say i think the the value you get back from doing something yourself i mean that's again that's why we're makers we we don't want to go out and just buy something we want to make it ourselves and um and I think the the with the power hammer, like I don't know about you, Brett, but the first time I ever used a big power hammer, it scared the shit out of me. Like it was huge and it was noisy and scary and mm-hmm. just awful. And um, and the fact that you've gone through it and you've you've cleaned it, like you say, and you now you understand which parts are moving and why that's going up yeah. and down and how that's moving this way and all that because you've got that that understanding of the actual uh, mechanics of it it's it, i've always found that 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 makes things less intimidating to then start working with like if if i was to to have a, a power hammer like that using it straight off brand new out of the shop i'd be a bit scared of it something yeah. that i've taken apart already and put back together and cleaned up and i know what everything does you work out where all the, me- the mechanics is and you know yeah. that, that that bit's going to move in a certain arc and, and, yeah. and like you say, it, it makes it safer, it makes you more confident around it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, whereas, like you say, if you, if you go to the, the um, B&Q or wherever and, and buy a, uh, a, a brand new tool, it's there's that, that kind of nervousness to it because you don't know exactly what it's going to do. Yeah, yeah I think the... Uh, the education aspect of all of it is, you know, most of the makers that I've met or chatted with in the last however long since I've been around the guys that were, you know, 70 year olds old working in the fabrication shop that I used to work in, everyone's delightfully curious. 
you know, even the old guys who were clearly very set in their ways still wanted to go, oh, we got some new tool. They'd be the first first ones to go over and try and take it apart or figure out yeah. how to break mm-hmm. it or figure out how it worked because they wanted to know, what have you done to the tool I've been f- using for 40 years that you're going to tell me is better than the one I've been using for 40 years, right? Yeah. So yeah. with a work table or a bench, if effectively you could put a slab of rectangular wood on four legs and go it is a table yeah, yeah, yeah. right but is it gonna function like the you, way it's you like you know me brett <laughs> hey, hey it's hey, like hey. you know me man i don't know you sent me a wild stallions button i feel like we know each other <laughs> yes i just watched bill and ted's it's ridiculous that i got that button from you i just watched both bill and ted's within the last week awesome brilliant um, but yeah, just as far as the restoration stuff, I, I love the topic because I, I like to educate myself as often as possible. And when it comes to tools, I love knowing what tools are capable of doing what action. Yeah. And the more you know, like Steve, I, I love the way you put it. It's like the more I know about the power hammer, the more aware I will be and less intimidated by it. Cause it is going to be loud and a lot of moving parts. When I was at Baltimore knife and sword and, Ilya was running the nasal. Yeah. It sounded like a lightning strike every time it hit, and it terrified me. But I had, for the third time in my life, been around forges, you know, yeah. let alone a power hammer that big. And watching Ilya, who's been doing it for as long as he had, and he's an absolute master, he was so comfortable and confident with everything that it was almost even more intimidating to watch yeah. somebody that good. that knew their tool that well because i'm like oh my god i'm never even going to be able to step in front of one of those things because i don't look like him when i when i stand in front of that machine (laughs) i immediately cower he stands in front of that machine and makes it look like it's doing work for him yeah yeah no exactly i mean joe the uh the other blacksmith i work with at alex's workshop he's like so confident on the because our little um pneumatic hammer is is only a tiny little anyang one um and uh but still you you go that uh, you put that going at full tilt and it's a noisy little bugger and it's powerful um and you'll see joe on it and he'll be doing a, an axe or whatever and and he'll be really really working and he, he's quite a like he's quite a ripped dude but he's quite small like compared to me and alex he looks tiny and um and it's great because you'll see him do that and then you'll see me go over like just trying to draw out a a tapler on a knife hand or something and i'm just there going because i don't want to go full power at it because i'm still like that that bit of intimidation um but then within like 20 minutes of being or 10 minutes of being on it i'm able to go full tilt again but um right it's, it's one of the first things you, you told me in the forge steve was just like just fucking hit it you yeah. know like don't be scared of it you know yeah yeah you it's do have to it. you do have to be ready you know now that i've gotten a little bit more accustomed to smithing not, not to just spend the majority of our time talking about blacksmithing, but <laughs> it does tend to be something where it's it's loud, it's intimidating, there's fire, heat, the steel. You know, I caught the leg of my pants on fire the first time I took a knife-making class because I, I let it brush me on the way by, you know, and it, yeah, it charred yeah. the, the leg. Um, but, you know, even down to the hand planer that you're, you're working on right now, watch, watch someone use a, a poorly made planer or or a cheap one that they bought from a store you'll gouge your wood you know it'll catch on the edge and destroy your piece or if you're working on really expensive wood you may take a dig out of it and then have to spend you know 30 minutes just fixing it and 
not that there's a hell of a lot of danger when it comes to those things because the blade is relatively you know recessed and kind of away from you but you may not hurt yourself but you could absolutely damage your project but you're going to re you're going to restore this thing know all of the parts how they function how they move what needs to stay sharp what needs to stay true you know how the skate yeah. works and everything exactly and the fact that you'll learn all that means that every other hand plane you'll pick up you'll probably get a sense of why it works the way it does why a scrub planer versus a shoulder plane versus you know yeah all of that will make more sense because you've educated yourself on restoration rather than going you know i'm gonna go buy two veritas planers and sure. i know that they yeah. take wood off yeah exactly but I, th I think the guys that would buy the veritas or the lee nielsen's they probably have already restored a plane or two in their time oh absolutely you know i can't imagine there's that many people just going straight off the bat and, and dropping you know 300 quid on on something yeah. that's beautiful no, and, and again i'm in i feel very lucky you know I, but luck is when preparation meets opportunity i nice. adhere to that i think it's like an old thomas edison quote or something but yeah um you know i i wanted to quit my job i wanted to work with my hands again i get to meet jimmy and now i'm in a position to where he has a few Lee Nielsen's and a few Veritas planes, and they're absolutely my favorite things to use. But, you know, when I was younger, I restored a couple of Stanley planes that were my grandfather's, who was a master carpenter, and I still have them. You know, they're in the toolbox now. I love them. It just so mm. happens that I have a number 67 Lee, Lee Nielsen that just is butter. You know, yeah. a butter knife is like a sharp as a butter knife. It's as sharp as a butter knife. I know, it's way sharper than a butter knife. But it absolutely, yeah. like, it's my favorite tool to use. You know, I get, I'm lucky, but I'm, I'm also kind of happy that I started out with very low tier knowledge of it and then got to yeah. teach myself because now, you know, Jimmy's still as nice as he is about letting me use stuff. He, we have an understanding that if I've never used the tool before, like, we need to have a 10 minute, like, here's how you take care of it. Here's, what could hurt you here's yeah. how about we don't use this one because it's so nice and it is so cherished by me that i just don't want to screw it up okay fine yeah. we're fine with that but he trusts me with some of the tools because you know i showed him a couple that i, that I restored and he goes oh those are really nice you know i have one of those that's elite nielsen i'm like oh yeah. the step up okay i get it yeah. but he lets me use those because he knows that i'm not going to botch them yeah and it, yeah. I, I think what you were saying about it being a step up is a good point as well because if you do go out and you buy a you, you know, you go out and buy a Lee, you go out and buy a Lee Nielsen, and it's the first plane you've ever used. You're going to take that home, and you're going to start trying to use it straight away, and and then it's going to get dull, and then you're not going to know how to sharpen it, and you're not going to know how yeah. to sharpen it properly. Like if you've bought a five quid um, Stanley from a car boot sale or flea market, mm -hmm. and and you massively muller the bevel on it when you're trying to sharpen it, and it becomes useless, then yeah, you go out and you spend another five on another one and you've learned your lesson and you sharpen it properly and yeah. you learn how to do it and you learn those those techniques and and things on on something through, that's not... through restoring things through upcycling yeah. things through recycling exactly. yeah. somebody somebody used a, an analogy the other day i think it was on the uh, maybe i said too much podcast yeah um and it was like you don't get a 17 year old a ferrari for their first car yeah because they're not going to learn anything. Like yeah. you need to get them a two hundred dollar shitty Suzuki Vitara with three cylinders that yeah. you have to that breaks down every time you go on the motorway, and you've got to learn. Yeah, because exactly. then it makes you appreciate shit as well. And you know, if you do got to get something nicer down the yeah. line, you can actually go, oh yeah, I, I know how this works now. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is it, it not only like I say not only gives you a better understanding, it, it makes things less intimidating. Like 
my um, uh, my uh, drill press, for example. Like that thing is from the forties. It's a nice. Delta, I think. Um, like got brought over by the Americans in the war and had a new um, motor put on it. But because of the fact that it was like when I got it, it was an old bag of shit that hadn't been running for years. Um, yeah. Didn't even know if it was going to run, and I kind of had to take it apart a little bit and just clean it up. And I want to restore it properly, but I just it, it works now, so I don't need to. But it was through doing that that I suddenly realised that actually it doesn't matter how many you know electronic gizmos and selectors and things you've got on it. At the end of the day, a drill press is just a motor, a couple of pulleys, yeah. and a lever that goes up and down. Like, and that's it. That's all a drill press is. And it makes and something sort of heavy and solid enough that it ain't going to bend and it ain't going to move. Yeah. And it ain't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just makes everything less intimidating because you you get that understanding and appreciation of of what each thing does and whether that's a power hammer or whether it's a, a plane whether it's a drill press or whatever yeah. it's you get that understanding and that that knowledge that you a you know how to use it b you know what it does and c you know how it does it and uh, and i think that that kind of experience is invaluable yeah absolutely we we've come to the the point that restoration leads to education and appreciation yeah. nice I think that's uh, it's probably quite a good time to uh, to wrap it up and move on to uh... who's spiffing. People that we think that are spiffing. Um, so the yeah, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the the video series that that Chris Cute has been doing leading up towards Christmas. He's made he's made like a I think it's a six six video series of, of children's toys, mm-hmm. just like really simple, really down to earth, really fun, kind of vibrant, just wooden children's toys. Um, and then the final video in the series was basically he he wrote a Christmas poem, um, and it was kind of Chris's channel is usually quite kind of like taking the piss quite a lot. Um, yeah, a man after my own heart. Um, but then to see him just kind of actually be a little bit kind of serious and a little bit kind of uh, heartwarming, it was it was really nice, and I think it took a lot of guts. Um, and he wrote this Christmas poem, and he got um, Richard from the podcast he's on, uh, Makers International, to read it out. And he's got a really nice kind of like sort of dulcet English voice, um, and just read out this Christmas poem. It was really nice, and he basically he kind of acted out. Uh, Chris played the elf in the story, and he's just acting it out and, and talking about building these building these toys that he's made for the kids. And it was just a really nice kind of wrap up to this series. So yeah. Chris is spiffing. Chris has always been spiffing, um, but I think if you've not seen that that, that series, I, I suggest you go and check it out. He's called Chris Q, and his channel's called Making the First Cut. Awesome, cool, nice one, man. Fantastic. Brett, you've got someone lined up. Yeah, um, I think Sophie is spiffing. Make it Soph is her YouTube channel. Yeah, um, she's she's in a completely vein of a completely different vein of the type of making that that I tend to do but I uh between her Instagram and her YouTube channel I've just been you know a fan yeah from afar and I I think one of the very I don't know first things that I remember like that I recall seeing was the Lego figures and that was really it was about the time that Al and I started chatting with each other yeah and then Al got a Lego figure made of himself and I got so jealous <laughs> 
Because I went specifically to the Lego store in New York City and tried to make my own Lego, <laughs> and it came out terribly. He got a custom one made for her. But her, her making channel, you know, is, is a lot more craft-driven, but she has a, a really good eye for things. She has a good design. She has a good approach to everything, and her personality comes out in her videos, and it's just it's always nice to see, you know, a good personality behind a good maker, and she... she yeah kind of presents both in such a way where you, you not only like what she does in the video but you just you just i don't know she seems nice and awesome she seems like a yeah. good person so she is spiffing awesome yeah i must admit i uh i got a christmas card from Sophie the other day completely out of the blue and unexpected nice. and um yeah i haven't actually had a chance to thank her properly because i've i've got a few um like unexpected maker friend gifts uh this year um and i need to do something to thank all of them at once because mm -hmm. uh yeah it was again that's a really weird thing about this community is the fact that all of a sudden you just have random people sending you gifts and yep. it's it's great yeah i keep um, getting instagram notifications from people going hey what's your address I know, and any other situation that would seem weird, like some random stranger from the internet saying, "What's your address? I want to send you something." Yeah, yeah. yeah. But... Please don't be a finger. Please don't be a finger. <laughs> the, yeah, the first day somebody van goes me and sends me an ear. <laughs> nice. I'm pulling myself off of social media. <laughs> but dude, I think like Sophie's one of those kind of people that like she's probably listening to this. Yeah. In three days in the future, and already making you a Lego man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, she absolutely like... would not have to do that, but it would be displayed proudly next to all of the but other But definitely stuff. do. Yeah. <laughs> she, she doesn't no. have to, but if she does, she's never being spoken of again. It would just, yeah. is the, do they make a paler version of a Lego figure? She'd have to get nice. I don't think they make it in my skin tone. It's just translucent like, it... available. Stonewashed. Yeah. No, she'll just buy the uh, she'll buy the skeleton one that they have during holidays. <laughs> That's Thanks. exactly what I was thinking. There you go. But, so, uh, Steve, what's uh, what's up on your end? Well, speaking of uh, of like getting random unexpected gifts, I uh, I got one the other day from someone that I support uh, on Patreon, um, Chris from A Glimpse Inside. Oh um, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've spoken about him before, but I don't think he's ever been my um, spiffing person sort of thing. And he's he's just one of the nicest dudes I've ever spoken to. Um, mm -hmm. And like as part of a thing for his Patreon, he made everyone a a little wooden um, fridge magnet with uh, the Glimpse Inside logo on it, and it's just one of the nicest things I've ever had. And and again, that's what I love about this community is the fact that you're getting things that it's not just like someone's gone, oh, I like what you do. Here's something that's worth a fiver. It's, I really like what you do. So I've made this thing for you. Yeah. As, or like, yeah, yeah. I appreciate what you're doing for me. So I've made this. And it's it's incredible. And and yeah, I mean, for those of you that don't know Chris, he's got a, a YouTube channel um, where he does all kinds of woodwork. And I think he's um, like a, a contractor by trade. Um and he does all kinds of really cool wood stuff. He certainly does a lot of like um, uh, wood projects for um, maker products uh, for like friends and family. Um, uh, so I don't know whether it is a sideline business or if it's a full time thing. But he's he puts these videos out. He has a really nice Instagram, and he's a really like down to earth, just friendly kind of a guy. He's the kind of guy that you know, like if you're 
on the side of the road because you're driving a Land Rover and it's broken down, like he'll be the first guy that will stop and jump out of his car and offer to help you and tow you home or whatever. Like he's nice. he's just a really good dude. Um, so yeah, that's my guy. And dude, thank you so much for the uh, the gift. If you're listening, it was it was beautiful and completely unexpected. So basically, if you, if you want to be spiffing uh, on fills with tools, you just got to give us things. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> oh yeah. God, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'm comfortable. With that. <laughs> maybe maybe you guys that have been here longer than me, but I'm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're a full time fool now. It's 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 happened. Oh, am I? Yeah. We didn't really establish that episode thirteen happened to bring the man who wears the number thirteen all the time. Yeah, for those of you who haven't um, realised it yet um, Brett's now the, the third fool, he is uh, completing the Triforce once again So Nice, oh god There you go <laughs> My f- Fantastic reference, we've done yeah. Three Amigos, Zelda and what was the other one that we did <laughs> something else was in here about Yeah <laughs> Well, the fool, I guess I'm the third fool yeah, I'll possibly. take that I'm most definitely a fool. <laughs> but, uh, cool. Right. Any other shout-outs? Because I, I have mm-hmm. one, but it's kind of a regular one, so... Yeah, any any auxiliary shout-outs, I Brett? swear to God, if you talk about Red again... <laughs> yeah! <laughs> He's got his own jingle. Yeah, I he's know. got his own jingle. Let's I know, listen but to we it. haven't jingled this, this episode yet, so... Yeah. Uh, no, I put them all in in post, because I'm too disorganized to be able to do it now. Oh, Fantastic. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I, I wanted to be able to uh, just really quickly I know she doesn't really need help or, or a shout out or anything like that but uh, Laura Laura just got her tiny trailer situated wow. and then she made a matching one for Smudo and it's, it's so fantastic. cute <laughs> and we were chatting the other day on Instagram, and I go, I think you're going to have to start a Smudo Instagram. And she goes, oh, my God, so many people are asking. I go, I don't know. <laughs> you're kind of making him a weird celebrity, and yeah. people want to know what's going on with your dog all the time. So, um, like, Genuinely, she, I think that project is my favorite project she's ever done. I told because her that. Because it was such a good replica of her actual um, and trailer. And to bring it back full circle, it was a recycle yeah yeah those were the materials oh, from fantastic. her trailer so yeah that's yeah. another like i i call it out for one just like laura's been awesome and she's been really supportive kind of you know as yeah. an aside between the two of us and she's been really helpful through some things um so she is constantly spiffing in my mind but yes since the topic of today's discussion was recycling and upcycling and stuff like that watch how she does that you get a contracted piece and even if you're not the one building it Nine times out of ten, like we got the barn, you know, Jimmy and I are working on the barn. We had five pallets worth of two by fours and two by eights and things like that. And luckily they're yeah. helping heat the shop. But Laura's video is an absolute like she already paid for that lumber. That project was spoken for and they effectively just went, There's extra windows and wood and lumber and steel and we don't know what to do yeah. with it. And she goes, I have an idea and that's the kind of like that snap thinking where you just go yeah. I'm going to yeah. make a dog house. I have a yes. dog. He can sleep in his own house. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, even the trailer itself was, was, was an upcycle. You know, she was taking yeah. a, a trailer that already yeah. existed. Which, you given know. you could, you could, you know, on her live streams or, or anything, if you watch those, she was definitely like, yeah, I know. Some yeah, people I know have I said, could have yeah, 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 yeah. just made it from scratch. Yeah, but yeah. I'm learning. 
Yeah. And she was, you know, she was really adamant about that. She's like, I'm learning yeah. how this thing is put together and why, whatever. So anyway. But yeah. also, also the fact that, that that previously had a soul. It had a story. Yeah. And I think that was one, one reason why she really wanted it to be something that she restored as opposed to a, a fresh build. Because yeah. it does have something, you know, inherently in there. Whether, yeah. you know, you want to be spiritual about it or not. It's going to have told the story before. Yeah. Yeah. I did tell her she needed to put Jocko in the uh, doghouse and pull him in the trailer. <laughs> nice. I was like, please make that yes. a video just once. Just pull your oh trailer God, and then yes. have Jocko in the doghouse. <laughs> uh, That'd be anyway. the best thing ever. So anybody else with the, with the share notes? Steve, uh, you got any auxiliary? I just read. Nice. Because, uh, yeah, his... Uh, his knife video that he's uh, just put out making uh, Kiridashi knives um, <clears throat> and uh, and the fact that that's because uh, he's done he's surpassed the 20,000 subscribers yes. now so he's um, he's doing a little giveaway with that as well so go check out Red's uh, latest video see what you think of it and um, and then check out his giveaway and enter and maybe win something wait yeah, is he cool. going to win his own giveaway he, he wins, wins everything anything. else, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. But uh, cool. Right, is that it? That is it. Brilliant. All right. We'll see you next week then, guys. Are we going to see where we can find people, or do we not do that anymore? Ah, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, Patch it in. It's like, like we've forgotten right. how to do it. No, we'll just leave this being because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if you haven't noticed, we don't tend to edit much out because I'm too lazy. Nice. Uh, all right then, Al, you go first. Where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me um, at the bottom of a cup of Lemsip for the next <laughs> uh, few days. Um, but also you can find me on uh, YouTube at Al's Hack Shack and you'll find me on Instagram and Facebook at Al's Shack Shack. Al's Shack Shack! Brilliant. Brett, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Skull and Spade 13, youtube.com slash Brett McAfee. M-C-A-F-E-E, like the antivirus that everybody knows about. <laughs> um, and I started a Patreon, but I'm not really going <laughs> to... Soft launch. You, know, you say, like, oh, I like the antivirus, and like and you've got to kind of quantify it by saying, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm the same. I'm like, Alex Halfpenny. You know, like the coin that hasn't <laughs> been in circulation for 35 years. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what's fair, a halfpenny? <laughs> to be fair, people always ask, like, or people what's often ask... No, they ask how to spell it. I'm like... Like, like, like the thing you live in. Like, you must know how to spell that. But, uh, but yeah, if you want to get hold of me, you can find me at Moonshine Metalworks on Instagram and Facebook at underscore no at Steve underscore Moonshine on Twitter, and that's it, I think, for me. And then, if you want to get in touch with the show, uh, you can email. Hello at fwtpodcast.com. You can find the show notes and everything else. Shouts. Uh, shouts. Totes of shouts. At www.fwtpodcast.com. And we are on the Instagram uh, at fwtpodcast. And that's yeah, it. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Right. Cheers, guys, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.